Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Pardon the technical difficulties. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Um, joined hopefully in a few minutes by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, though okay. I think we're having some technical difficulties there at the studio. Um, good morning, everyone. Happy weekend. I'm super excited you're joining me today. I um we're going to cover one of my all-time favorite topics today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about taxes, but we're also going to talk about the Roth IRA and all its beauty. Uh, one of my favorite um, topics, and uh, not only you guys are in luck because not only um, did I have my coffee this morning, but I also got in a workout, which gives me lots of energy, and this is like my all-time favorite um, thing to talk about. And so. you're staying at a nice Airbnb, it looks like. Yes, and I have my Zoom background on, which is beautiful. Look at how beautiful my house is and clean and tidy. There's no clutter. <laughs> the walls are painted so perfectly. Right. I mean, as soon as yeah, as soon as you see that no clutter, you know it's fake. Yeah, There's I know. No I know. clutter. Yeah, they were they were there were um, free downloads for Zoom backgrounds on Airbnb, hence the little advertising there for them. But I don't care. It's I. I think it's better than the background of our um, home office basement. <laughs> well. So we are recording today for um, MCTV. Thank you to them for airing the show on those channels. Um, all right. So good morning. We have we've done a show um, similar to this, but it was I think it was over a year ago. So I thought it was time to 
um, have those discussions again. I know we touch on Roth IRAs here and there, um, you know, pertaining to other discussions we're having, but I like to dedicate an entire show to them because I think they're great. And we will explain why and why you may consider funding one if you have not already, um, or if you have one and just haven't funded it for a while and if you're eligible, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this is also a fairly timely show because we had, of course, tax filing extended this year. So people have until May 17th, not only to file their taxes, federal and state, but also to make their retirement contributions for prior year. So there is still time um, to contribute to IRAs, Roth IRAs, um, SEP IRAs, again, if you're eligible for all these things um, for for tax year, excuse me, 2020. So wanted to get this content in, um, not too late to talk to your financial professional, your tax person about if it makes sense for you to um, contribute to one or multiple of those accounts. So um, I sort of wanted to begin by just, you know, background discussion, maybe, you know, big picture discussion on why these Roth IRAs are so great. And I would group Roth 401ks into this discussion. Um, They're fantastic as well. In fact, maybe even a little bit more fantastic than Roth IRAs, the more I think about it. Um, Basically, you know, you're, when it comes to investment accounts, um, retirement accounts or non-retirement accounts, when it comes to investing, you're going to pay in general in many investment accounts and in many i guess i would group like real estate investing in with this also but generally speaking when you're an investor and you have investment growth uh, in other words you made money off of your investments you're going to pay taxes at some time or another right so that's just pretty general and that that goes across Almost all investment accounts, Roth IRAs under certain circumstances being the exception, and that's why they're so wonderful. (laughs) And that's why I rave and rave about them. Um, So if you think about, if we talk about retirement accounts for a minute, and by that I mean 401ks, where you take your tax deduction upfront, IRAs, we can maybe just before we get too far into this, Kirk, we'll talk about the deep, you know, the tax deduction, et cetera. Um, the details on that so people understand. But just big picture for a minute, with retirement accounts the, the of the traditional type, I would say, you they're very tax efficient in the year that you make the contribution, meaning you take a deduction and that's great. It saves you tax money. But you pay your taxes later in retirement when you take your money out. And I don't mean, I didn't mean to say but, meaning that it's a bad thing. Um, but you're going to pay your taxes at one period of time, right? You got a deduction in in the year that you fund a 401k, a deductible 401k or an IRA. Um, And that's, again, that's great, shrinks your taxable income. You know, you're doing that in your working years, that's great. And then you pay your taxes later on. So you're gonna pay your, so you you got a deduction, but then you're gonna pay your taxes later. And that's just the nature of those accounts. And for a lot of people in a lot of situations for, you know, they're, you know, big sums of money, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Another type of investment account, not retirement specific, is what we call non-qualified or taxable accounts. And those are 
the nature in which you know you don't get a you don't get a tax deduction. They're not tax deferred as they grow. You, you know you're getting a 1099 as those earn um, dividends and interest. And and if you have capital gains, we can I, again I, we can talk in detail about this, but I just wanted to set the stage. Um, so non qualified accounts, you know, so investment accounts of the not qualified retirement type, you pay your taxes in those as well. You get a 1099 once a year you pay, you know, maybe some interest is tax-free, et cetera, um, but you're paying taxes as you go. So, and again, I said a few moments ago, I'm gonna group real estate investments into this discussion because if you have a real estate investment property, forget about your primary home for a minute, that's a little bit different because of the exemptions when you sell a primary residence that has a gain, but a, an investment property, in other words, a piece of real estate that you hold for investment purposes upon sale, if there's investment growth, you have to pay taxes on that as well. Upon sale, again, of course, there are ways under current law that might be changing um, to exchange that property and defer the taxes due. And that's that's like a topic for a whole nother show. And actually that might be going away. That's under Biden's proposal. Um, but. But the point is with almost all types of investments where you, I guess I was gonna say where you make, where you hope to make money, that's the whole purpose of an investment, but with all of, almost every single investment account out there, you're going to pay taxes at some point in time on the growth or and on the dollars that you put in. So like, for example, a, a 401k that's deductible you don't pay taxes in the year that you contribute, but you pay taxes on those dollars when it comes out. So you're paying taxes on money that you use to invest and also on money that uh, on the money that you earn via those investments. The exception to that, the only exception to that is the Roth IRA. And I, again, I'll group Roth 401k into that as well. Those are fairly rare, but I think there might be gaining in popularity um, because all of the growth and earnings in a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k come out of the account tax-free as long as you're taking the money out after age 59 and a half and if the account has been open for five years or more. So you have to satisfy those two things. But again, if the retirement accounts, you're earmarking it for retirement for most people over age 59 and a half, and as long as you've had it open for five years, all of the growth comes back tax-free. It is like the only investment account where you're not paying taxes on growth. I should actually add primary residence into that discussion, right? Where your primary residence, um, you do have, people have a large uh, forgiveness of capital gain on their primary residence upon sale, $250,000 per person or 500,000 for a married couple. So that's an example of- Although I think I think we would usually argue that primary residence is not an investment per se. Uh, at least that's usually the, you know, the, the route that I yeah. take. But, and you know, one, one other thing I wanted to say, you know, when you're talking about, you know, retirement accounts and kind of grouping those into one sort of bucket is that, 
you know, typically they have that that age restriction, right? Um, so if it if it's a quote unquote retirement account, typically, you know, you can't take money out until fifty nine and a half uh, without perhaps realizing some kind of a penalty, you know, a tax penalty. Um, yeah. You know, versus those those non qualified or non retirement accounts where you know, they're more flexible from the standpoint that you can, you know, take money out at any point without any restrictions. Um, so, I mean, I think to me, you know, when you're talking about retirement versus non-retirement, that's kind of the big, the big differential. So there's that, that age restriction, but, but the, you know, the benefit is the tax, right? The tax, um, the tax deferral and, and the, and the tax sheltering, uh, that yeah. comes along with the retirement accounts. And that, that was the whole reason, you know, that basically the government or the IRS, you know, you know, the two of them kind of put these, um, types of accounts together was to incentivize people to save, you know, for retirement. So, you know, you can't touch it until you're, you know, closer to retirement age. And, and in return, we're going to give you some, you know, some, some tax shelter. Um, I wanted to, like, just so before we get into the, the weeds of this a little bit and some examples and why, you know, people should consider funding Roth IRAs if they haven't, or, you know, we have to talk about eligibility, of course, but I wanted to make sure people understand the tax differences between a Roth and a, what I would call like a regular retirement account, which is an IRA, a 401k, a 403b, a 457, a simple IRA. There's so many of them. Um, so... <clears throat> The regular, so is that a good just kind of start there and then maybe talk about eligibility and stuff like that? Um, sure. And then at some point I wanted to, I thought, I, I, I think, I don't think we've done this in the past, but, you know, because one of the questions that, that I've received is, you know, am I too old to do a Roth? And, yeah. And yep. because there is, I think, you know, and there's some... Uh, there's some, you know, validity to that question because, you know, you got to have a certain amount of time in order for the money to grow and compound to make it worth your while. So there is something to that. And I thought maybe at some point down the road here today, we could do a real live, um, you know, computation and say, okay, you know, if you put the money in now and you get X number of dollars in tax savings, yeah. how, how long does it take to recoup that, you know, to break even? Uh, I thought that might be kind of interesting. I, I don't think we've ever done that before. Um, you're probably right. Why don't you get prepared for that? Because yep. it's on the outline, Kirk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a situation recently where someone was approaching retirement age and hadn't had a Roth IRA ever. So it was that question of, okay, this is great, but how long is the money going to be in there? And I have to wait five years to get it back. So, so basically what you're talking about. So yeah. And there's lots of calculators online um, that can help with this, but also can help with, does it make more sense for me to fund a deductible retirement account or Roth? So there's calculators to help that. Um, yeah. So why don't you get prepared for that? I'll kind of set the stage for the differences between the accounts and we need to talk about eligibility, but I definitely want to get into that. And, you know, not, not to, not to derail your, uh, your grandmaster plan too much, but, um, I recently had, uh, a question come to me, um, you know, from, from a client saying that they had heard or read somewhere and I, I don't remember where it was, but that, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, the, you know, the president or, you know, the, uh, the government might, might go after Roths at some point and, mm -hmm. or, and, or, you know, stop them. Have you, and I, and I have not heard anything to that, 
to that. And I, I didn't know if you had in your reading, if, if that's something that, um, if that's been being proposed either to, you know, no longer allow them. I, I, I certainly can't imagine they would ever, um, you know, go backwards, you know, on people that already have a Roth, but have you read anything about them, you know, no longer allowing them going forward or? Um, no, not recently. Okay. So, so but, I, yeah, I don't know where but this, I, yeah. but I would speculate that I almost feel like they're too good to be true. So I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed at some point. Um, however, the government needs tax revenue. I mean, like now more than ever, right? Because we're ju we just got through spending trillions of dollars, right? So the what's great about a Roth for the government is that when people fund a Roth, they're paying taxes in current year. Right. Whereas if someone funds a regular old retirement account, the government is losing tax revenue in current year. They're, you know, they're set to get it later. Right. But from that perspective, um, the government's better off because right. they're in the here and now. They're, right? it, yeah, and they're and that would just make things worse down the road for them, right? Um, yeah. Because there'd be less tax revenue down the road, but you know. I mean, we can, uh, yeah. I, I, I would speculate that 10 or 15 years from now or something when Roth IRAs are way more popular or there's more, you know, more, more assets, more assets in them. Yeah, dollars in yeah. Roth and they realize the impact of the investment growth that is being sheltered permanently from taxation. Um, I would speculate that that's when it will change. But I, yeah, I mean, they yeah. can't, I just, I mean, this is just, you know, speculation, but I mean, that if for them to change the, their tune on that, as far as changing the the way that they're taxed after the fact, I mean, there would be a complete, you know, uproar. I mean, because that would basically be, you know, double taxation, you know, um, if, if they taxed you with the front and on the, I mean, if they, I just yeah, can't see that, I can't see that happening. The, I, I wouldn't think they would pass anything that would tax, that would be double taxation, but they could, I don't know, they could tax the earnings later. <laughs> You know, they could they they could do something like that, hypothetically speaking, or they could, um, you know, tax it on tax the earnings for certain Americans, right? Wealthier Americans. Um, I don't know. I could see it happening. I mean, you know, if someone has a million dollars in a Roth four hundred one k, and you know they have to pay some taxes on it on the way out, like, you know, I. That's not that I think it's right because yeah. that person funded the Roth 401k when the law was different if they were to change it. But yeah. I mean, at, at, the, it, at, it, at this point in time, there's no, there's nothing in the works. So there's no conversations no, that you're, no. you're aware of that. No, that, I'm going to start yeah. to get emotional and upset about this if we keep talking about this. Yeah, no, I just, I just, Roth IRA. like I said, somebody, somebody asked me the yeah. question and I, and I hadn't, I hadn't heard anything to that effect. And I just, um, yeah. You would think that if anything ever changed, they would just reduce eligibility or something like that, you know, really lower the income thresholds, or maybe they would um, close that loophole that is Roth conversions and backdoor Roths. I think they would probably do that so that wealthier Americans can't get money into Roths, but allow um, average Americans or uh, or something like that to continue funding Roths. That's what I could see. I think they'll make. I think they'll close the loopholes that allow higher income earners and wealthier people to fund Roths. That's what I think will happen. Anyway, we speculate. I haven't read anything right. recently that I haven't read anything in Biden's proposal about um, about that. 
But we, I do want to talk about proposed tax legislation here because there are some things that are a little bit relevant in terms of Biden's tax plan. Um, again, still spe- speculation. Nothing has um, gone through Congress on that yet either. Um, so again, just to set the stage, so just to make sure people understand the tax differences, really the difference between a Roth and a regular IRA or 401k, it, it's, it comes down to taxes. So with a regular 401k IRA, um, again, when you fund, when you put money into that type of account, a deductible IRA, a regular 401k, a 403b, a 457, what am I missing? A simple, a SEP. Um, all of these sort of normal types of retirement plans are such that when you put money in, you get a dollar for dollar tax deduction, meaning you shrink your taxable income dollar for dollar. So most people would pay, you know, 20 or 30% of that less in taxes that year because they took a deduction um, and shrank their taxable income. So it's great. You pay less taxes in the year that you fund it. Um, and then a retirement account is such that you can't draw from it without tax penalty before age 59 and a half. There are some except exceptions like medical expenses and first time home buyer. Um, but for most situations, you can't draw from an IRA, 401k, 403b, et cetera, before 59 and a half without tax penalty. So when you draw from retirement accounts later in life, that's when you pay your taxes. And that makes sense. You got your tax deduction when you put your money in. All that money grows, what we call tax deferred. And I should say, you know, growth, of course, not guaranteed. But the growth, if any, is tax deferred, meaning you don't get a 1099. You're not paying taxes along the way in any type of retirement account. So you pay all of your taxes on the back end. So all dollars that come out of 401ks, deductible IRAs, simple SEPs, 457s, 403Bs, um, you pay all your taxes on the way out. So taxable, uh, and, and all that money is taxed at regular income rates, whatever that may be. We have a tiered tax system in the US and not everyone is in the same tax bracket. We have, geez, five, six, seven tax brackets. I actually haven't counted in a little while. 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 32, gonna, 35. Gonna, yeah, at least six, yeah. six maybe. Yeah. yeah, six or seven. Um, so you pay all your taxes on the way out. And for, like I said at the very beginning, for many people in many situations, if tax brackets were never to change, which isn't realistic, but if we if if tax brackets were never to change, and you're a working professional in the prime of your financial life in terms of income, it is prudent to take a tax deduction in the year when your income is highest because you're in your highest tax bracket and you're paying taxes at a higher percentage on some of your dollars, not all of them. But it does make sense to take deductions when income is high and you're in a high bracket. And then many people like when they're in their retirement years might be in a lower tax bracket than they were in their working years because well they're not you know they're not working but even if they're taking money out of retirement they don't maybe need as much because maybe you know life costs them less maybe their kids are financially independent the mortgage might be gone or smaller etc so that does make a lot of sense in a lot of situations all right um and 
again, we never know about how tax brackets will change in the future, but generally speaking for a lot of people, it makes sense to fund a deductible retirement account. But there certainly are situations, a lot of situations in my opinion, where it makes sense to also, perhaps either, but also um, fund a Roth IRA. And we need to get into eligibility because not everyone is able to put money in a Roth IRA. There are income restrictions. In other words, higher income earners are not able to fund a Roth IRA. There are what we call some backdoor, some, some slick ways to do it. We'll talk about the pros and cons about that. Um, that's, that's actually what we were just talking about, maybe speculating that maybe those go away at some point so that higher income earners can't fund a Roth, but total speculation in that regard. Um, okay, I'm just getting going and, and I'm all excited. And, and you gotta take a break. Take a break. I it's almost 8.30, I know. I was just about to get into the, the, the fun stuff, but um, all right, we're talking about Roth IRAs, why you might need one. I call this show the Roth in all its beauty um, and not too late to fund for calendar 2020, for tax year 2020. This is why if, this show if is- If you're eligible. Fun. You're, if you're eligible, thank you. We'll talk about that right after the break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by Kirk Reed. We're just taking a quick break. Do not tune out, because this is fun, exciting stuff. We'll be right back. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. We are talking about my all-time favorite thing in the world of finance. I do have like a life outside of this, but I that these are pretty great. Um, no. oh. and, uh, yeah, Tim disagrees, and I think I disagree a little bit. Also, um, yeah, I was just picturing you with like you know in your bedroom with like posters of like Roth IRAs and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I think I think last time we did this show, you told me you were gonna um, order me a T-shirt that was that said something like. I love Roth IRAs or something like that. And I was going to wear it on the next show. I think, you know, I you forgot about that. that yeah. I actually, I was like, I sh- got to get on that Kirk, get I, that shirt. I know. I wanted to, I wanted to go see like, you know, the, you know, it was the, you know, the congressman or whoever it was, you know, Roth that created this. I was trying to like figure out, but appa- um, apparently he's passed away. So I was like, I was trying oh. to get you like a personal phone call or oh something. Oh my God, but- that would have been awesome. He's, autographed? Yeah, yeah, an autograph. Yeah. Maybe you can get an autograph, but yeah, I, apparently I think he's, I think he is since, uh, since passed. Um, oh my gosh, that would, well, that was a nice um, thought. Yeah. But, um, or he could leave yeah, like a voicemail on your phone. Maybe I can meet his family. Yeah, you've reached you've reached the personal fan club of yeah, Senator yeah. Roth. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. I need a maybe maybe my T-shirt could say "Got Roth." Got Roth. Yeah, I would wear that like around. You know, I would wear that around town. This could yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> With the McNamara logo, like on one side, and then "Got Roth" on the back or something. I think he, I think we'd have to get the rights. We'd have to get the rights from uh, you know. From somewhere, but yes. Uh, All, right. All right. Anyway, anyway, we digress, but look for those shorts. Look for those shirts <laughs> in about three months on our website. <laughs> All right. Um, we are talking about Roth IRAs, and and we joke, but I I make a point where appropriate to talk to almost all of my clients about them, you know, whether it makes sense. And this is the time of year where um, I go through literally my, almost my entire client list. I mean, not everyone's eligible. It doesn't make sense for every person, um, but I go through my lists and, and I and I go through to, you know, see who's funded and who hasn't and where opportunities may lie. Because as we touched on um, earlier, 
you have up until tax filing day to fund a, a Roth IRA and also a deductible IRA um, and SEP IRA if you if you um, if you're self-employed and you have one of those and you're eligible. Um, but you have up until tax filing day to fund those, so it's not too late. Um, as of the recording of this show to file for tax year 2020, because of course taxes were extended um, for 2021 to May 17th and also retirement contributions were extended to that same day to line up with tax filing time. Um, so just important to note that Roth IRA contributions are not reported on your tax return. I get that question a lot. Um, there's nowhere to report a Roth contribution on that return because it's not deductible. It doesn't impact your taxes. You don't have to, you have to ask your CPA if you have one, if you're Roth eligible in terms of your income, your, I believe it's your adjusted gross income uh, or your, mo excuse me, your modified adjusted gross income. Um, but you don't have to report that anywhere on your tax return. Um, and you do get the financial institution that holds your Roth account, your Roth IRA, will send a confirmation of the contribution for your records, but they won't send that until, I don't know, maybe a month. They don't even produce that until I think like a month after tax filing time, because don't forget that people have up until tax deadline to fund the account. So the financial custodians need a little bit of time after that right. um, to get those, you know, tax documents printed. That's called a 5498. So that comes like this year, it'll come sometime in June, I think, for most people or be, or be available online anyway. Yeah, I mean, in a, nor in a normal year, if, if, when the tax filing deadline is April 15th, the 5498s don't come out until sometime in May. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's still an official tax document, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really do you much good uh, as far as filing your taxes. So you, ha yeah, you have to be proactive as far as either telling your accountant or tax preparer, or if you're doing it yourself, to plug that in, yeah. say saying yes, I did make this contribution, um, no. even though you don't have any, you know, um, you don't have an official tax document to show that just yet. Yeah, so you don't put it on your return, and that's okay. Um, Roths don't impact your taxes. Um, it's just the eligibility you need to know if you can fund one. So speaking of that, um, not as we've alluded to, not everyone is eligible to fund a Roth IRA. If you make too much money, you cannot fund one via a contribution. Um, again, we can, we'll, we'll talk about Roth conversions, um, but a Roth contribution is up to $6,000 for someone who's under age 50 and has earned income of at least that amount of money. In other words, you can't fund a Roth IRA. Um, if you're a single tax filer and you have no income, you cannot fund a Roth IRA. You have to have earned income. This is you tucking away wages, essentially. Um, and, and like, for example, some people that have adult children and maybe they want to start a Roth IRA for them, you, that you can't, you can only fund up to the amount of earned income they have. So like I've had some clients that, you know, want to start one for their 16 year old son or daughter, for example, they have a little part-time job. You know, if they're only making two or 3000 bucks a year, you can only fund up to that amount. Of course, the parent can fund it for them. It doesn't really matter whose money it is, but we just need to show the earned income. Um, and we can touch on that um, a little bit later in the show in terms of strategies and, and, and um, you know, things to think about. And one of the things on my outline is, you know, parents and grandparents um, getting money into Roths for young people, which, which is great in many situations. Um, 
So again, if you're so if you're a single, so again, uh, in the contribution limits are up to six thousand for tax year twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one for um, someone under age fifty. For someone who's fifty years old or older, they can put up to seven thousand dollars in a Roth IRA for tax year twenty and twenty one. So not a whole lot of money you can get in here, but um, but for you know, I, well, I shouldn't say that for a lot of people that's a lot of money, but um, you know the, the limits aren't as high as 401ks, for example. Some 401ks and actually 403bs allow for Roth contributions, and those limits are much higher. You can get nineteen thousand five hundred dollars into a 401k or a 403b if you're under 50 and $26,000 annually. That was last year and this year, same limits, um, for if you're 50 years old or older. And with the Roth 401ks and 403bs, should they be available, though I've, I think I've seen one in my lifetime, um, <clears throat> they there's no income eligibility limit. So you could make a half a million dollars as an executive in some company and if you have a Roth option available to you in your 401k, you could put, and if you're 51 years old, you could put 26,000 bucks in there annually, which is amazing. Um, that I wonder sometimes if that will change because that, that's a little bit too good to be true. Um, or if maybe they'll impose income eligibility restrictions on for, on the Roth 401ks where right now there's not. Right. Um, but with Roth IRAs, so the Roth IRA is an account that you can fund. It's not through an employer. It's just anyone can fund it that's eligible. You can fund a 401k and a Roth in the same tax year, again, if you're income eligible. So for a single filer in 20, uh, oh, should we do tax year 2020? Hold on, I was looking at 21. For tax year 2020, if your modified adjusted gross income, ask your tax preparer, please. That's a complicated calculation. It's a, it's, it starts with your adjusted gross income, which is on your tax return. And it's adjusted for a few things. So it's called modified adjusted gross income or MAGI. That I believe does not show on your tax return, just the adjusted gross income or AGI shows on your tax return. This is why you have to, this is why generally speaking, you have to work with a either a tax professional or the software package. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure MAGI does not show up on your 1040. No. So you'd yeah. have to do that separately or ask your accountant to do that. Yeah. Um, so in tax year 2020, if you're a single filer and your modified adjusted gross income is under $124,000, you are fully eligible to make that full, up to that full Roth contribution of six to $7,000, depending on your age. If your modified adjusted gross income is between $124,000 and $139,000, you are partially eligible. It's a pro rata calculation. And if you're $139,000 or more, in, in terms of adjusted gross for a single, excuse me, modified adjusted gross or a single filer, you're completely ineligible for a Roth IRA. So if you're, you know, 40 years old and you make $100,000 and if you're, um, you know, really a good saver and real responsible, you could max a 401k, for example, at 19,500 bucks and you could put $6,000 into a Roth IRA because you're income eligible. If you make, 
$175,000 as a single 40-year-old, for example, um, you cannot make a Roth IRA contribution. Your, I shouldn't say only, other than converting IRA dollars, which we'll touch on, your best option to get money into a Roth is if you have a Roth 401k. And if your 401k doesn't allow Roth contributions, then you're out of luck except for um, Roth conversions, okay? So um, different limits for married couples, slightly higher limits. They're not double, interestingly enough. Um, but for tax year 2020, for a married couple filing jointly, um, if, your, if your modified adjusted gross income is under $196,000, you're fully eligible, both of you fully eligible, which means you could get twice the limit in for for two people so each of you could do six thousand um under age 50 seven thousand fifty or older for a married couple filing jointly if your modified adjusted gross is between one hundred and ninety six thousand and two hundred and six thousand, again partial eligibility and over that limit not eligible for a roth contribution um again only um option is either a 401k that has roth available or converting dollars which i promise um we'll touch on um also very interesting i have um at least one married uh, a, a married couple client that they're married but they file separate for a couple of reasons kind of a long story um but i it's it's fairly rare and in, in my experience anyway for married couples um to file separately, there are, you, you You essentially can't make Roth IRA contributions if you're married filing, filing separately, unless one of the members of that couple essentially doesn't have earned income or doesn't have earned income over 10, I'm sorry, their modified adjusted gross income has to be under $10,000 to even be partially eligible. So have you ever come across that situation, married couple filing separately? they're essentially not eligible if both of them are working and earning. Because of the low threshold? Because the threshold is, yeah, for a married couple filing separately, if if one of the members of the couple like doesn't work and has no income and their modified adjusted income, uh, modified adjusted gross income is zero, then they can make a Roth contribution. If it's more than $10,000, they can't. So if you're married filing separately and you're both essentially working and earning, you know, more than, I guess I should say roughly 10,000 bucks, um, you can't make Roth contributions. I came across that recently for a couple and they were doing that for um, a variety of reasons that that did make sense in, in certain tax years. But um, very interesting. That's that's the first time I had really looked at that. And I was like, oh, wait, you can't do it. <laughs> um, so, and, and for tax year 2021, those income eligibility limits limits were just very slightly adjusted, I think by like a thousand or a couple thousand dollars um, on either end. So very slightly adjusted upward. Um, so higher income earners are, you know, phase out of eligibility to make Roth IRA contributions. But like I said, one of the beautiful things about Roth 401ks is that there's no income eligibility limits. It's like amazing. I mean, you could you could make a million dollars a year and you could put 26,000 bucks into a Roth 401k if that's made available to you. So something to um, 
something to ask your HR department about or let you know log into your uh, 401k you know portal whatever your website and and poke around at um, on the page where you're selecting how much you're contributing um, you poke around to see if Roth contributions are available it would be right there you know all these websites are different but it would be like right there on that screen where you're setting your contribution election in terms of what percent of your pay um, if Roth was available to you, it should be right there on that screen in terms of, well, what type of contribution are you making, deductible, traditional, or Roth? Um, and if it's not there, I mean, worth asking, but not all 401ks allow. Those are those are plan-specific um, uh, plan decisions to be made. And I don't know the details on... Um, I don't know uh, the details on like 401k record keeping. I'm assuming that not all companies allow um, Roth contributions. I'm wondering if it's a little bit more expensive on the record keeping side, maybe, which is why they're not, you know, allowed by default. Of course, businesses pay for what we call record keeping services when they sponsor a 401k for their employers, excuse me, for their employees. Um, and and I'm, I, I think maybe, I'm, I, I guess I'm not 100% yeah. sure, but I'm assuming maybe the, to the record keeping for Roths is, um, it's, it's a little bit more expensive perhaps, which is why they're not always available. I have, um, I have a couple of those calculations if you wanted to uh, just yeah. chat about that for a second. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes people ask, you know, <clears throat> is it too late? You know, is it too late to make a Roth contribution? Yeah. You know, am I too old? You know, does it make sense based on my my age and my circumstance? And so I thought to kind of try to answer that, uh, you know, one way to do that, we could do that is with, you know, some actual calculations and just to kind of figure out, you know, a break-even point. And obviously there are, there are some other variables that are involved with this, but this is just, you know, one, you know, just to kind of try to answer that question. Um, so I did it. I, I did it at three different tax brackets. Uh, right. So, you know, starting with, uh, so the on the lowest side, I started with 12%. So 12% federal tax bracket, and I'm using $6,000. So if you do a $6,000 Roth IRA contribution at tw uh, 12%. So, well, actually, if you were to do a traditional contribution, that would save you $720 in, in income tax. Is that federal or state or both? Th that's just federal. Because okay. if you're making a traditional contribution, there is no state deduction. So okay. this is just federal, just on the federal side. So in your, if you're in the 12% bracket, $720 is basically your immediate you know, tax savings if you do a traditional IRA. So if you were to forego that and do the Roth, well, how long does it take to get that $720 back? Yeah. And so I, did, I used a 5% you know, rate of return, you know, relatively conservative, I think. Yeah. Uh, so if you use 5%, um, it would take you a little less than three years uh, to get that $720 back at 5% per year. Which makes sense because it's 12%, three years at 5% earnings, 15%. Yeah, okay. Um, so does this calculator ask you for your tax bracket in retirement? No, I was just doing the, I was just doing the simple math myself. This, I was not using a calculator. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And this, yeah. So that's a whole, oh, that's a whole, this I is, that's, that's a whole another conversation, which I was going to yeah. touch on, but, um, yeah, 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 yeah. These were, this was just break, simply a break even, you know, how long does it take to get that And that? Cause now the, all the growth is tax free, right? So yeah. how, how long does it take me to get that money back? Um, okay. And, so that's the easiest ones, right? So the lowest tax bracket 
Right. Woman in the lowest tax bracket has the easiest time recouping that tax savings, right? So how about someone in the um, 32% tax bracket? Let me put that into perspective regarding where tax brackets are. Of course, I pulled those up and I'm uber prepared. I thought I was anyway. while you're doing that, so I did. So I did a 22 percent bracket, which for a lot yeah. of people, that's that's probably where a lot of people yeah. fall. There's um, a lot of people in that bracket. Yeah. So so if you do a six thousand dollar traditional IRA contribution at 22 percent, that saves yeah. you about thirteen hundred dollars in federal income tax. And if you were to do a Roth instead and earn five percent per year, that would take about four years uh, to to basically you know break even or to recoup that thirteen hundred dollars um, that you were foregoing, uh, you know from a from a tax savings. Okay. Um, and then I so then I also and then so the lot. Yep. Hold on. By the way, let me put this into perspective because most people don't know their tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about married couples filing jointly for a minute. Can you still hear me? I feel like my internet just got weird. I can hear you. Um, so someone in a so a married couple filing jointly, you're in the twelve percent tax bracket. If your earnings are let's just say up to eighty, your taxable income is up to eighty one thousand dollars, roughly. Part of your income is in the ten percent bracket, but most of your income is in the twelve percent bracket. People in the married couples filing jointly are in the twenty two percent tax bracket. If their taxable income, again, after standard deduction, which most people take, um, and for a married couple, that's like $26,000 now roughly, right? So Mm -hmm. if your taxable income is between 81,000 roughly and $172,000 roughly, you're in the 22% tax bracket. So that's many Americans, you know, fall in, in that bracket. Um, and then what are you going to do next? There's a 24, a 32. So I, I skipped the 24 and I went to 32. Okay. Um, so this is for married couples filing jointly that have taxable income between 329,000 and 418,000. Yep. Also a single person that makes with taxable income over 165,000. And I, you know, I, I skipped 24 just because I, you know, I figured there wasn't, there's not much difference between 22 and 24. So, um, so at the, if you're in the 32% bracket and you do a $6,000 deductible contribution, that would save you about $1,900 um, on your federal tax return. Taxes in that year. Yeah. Okay. So, so to make that up, to make up $1,900 on a a $6,000, you know, investment at 5% per year, that would take about six years. So, so the time frame is getting, you know, so, so it really is dependent upon your tax bracket. So if you're in a higher tax bracket, it's going to take you longer, um, you know, to make that money back. Uh, in this case, you know, about six years at, you know, at 5% per year. Yeah. And that, I mean, actually having said that, that does sort of align with, if earnings are higher, it would be, uh, it wouldn't take as long to break in, um, sort of aligns with the five years that you need to have money in a Roth before you could take it out tax-free anyway. But, you know, you wouldn't want to do a Roth unless you were more than breaking even, right? I mean, you it wouldn't. Right. The, the beauty in the Roth is that all of the earnings come back to you tax-free. So you want to more than break even on that. Um, you want to, of course, recoup the, the taxes that you paid to get the money in versus a deductible contribution. Or else it wouldn't make sense at all. Or right? exactly. it wouldn't make sense at all. Right. But really what you want to do is maximize 
the growth and the earnings in there and time helps with that, of course, investment strategy can help with that. Um, and we can talk about that and why I think it's prudent to be pretty aggressive inside of Roths from, for many people. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, so one, you know, and you know, what future tax, tax brackets obviously plays a, a, a role in this, which, which is kind of an unknown, um, you know, we don't know where tax brackets go from here into the future. Um, but I think, you know, so for, you know, for a, a person that is, you know, towards the end of their working career, if they're in a high tax bracket, meaning, you know, 32% or higher, um, you know, they have to think about that, you know, you know, what, you know, how much, you know, it's got to be at least six years, you know, um, if they're in the 32% bracket just to break even, um, right. which, you know, I mean, obviously most people, most people's retirements would, would last longer than that. And that, and that might be okay, but, but that's just for people that are wondering, you know, so if you're in a higher tax bracket and you're on the older side and just by that, I mean, closer to retirement, um, you know, you have to weigh that as far as what makes sense, uh, you know, traditional versus Roth. Yeah. So there are, did you find any, um, calculators? I know there's like Roth versus traditional IRA calculators out there where you number one, plug in your tax bracket now, but you also plug in your projected tax bracket in retirement because it really does become a tax bracket play mm -hmm. also. Like if you're in a high bracket now and you'll be in a much lower bracket later, if you're a high income earner now in the 37, 35% bracket and you'll be in the 22 in retirement, that's kind of a no brainer. Like you're gonna wanna take your deduct, you're gonna wanna make deductible contributions and pay your taxes later when you're in a tax bracket that's 15% lower. Having said that, we do have tax brackets set to change without even uh, the Biden administration getting uh, uh, tax legislation through. We do have tax brackets set to change again, effective tax year 2026. So they're changing unless there's further legislation anyway. Um, and they're gonna adjust upward. They might adjust upward for some people. It sort of depends on st deductions and things like that. But um, it would be fun to play around with a calculator. So, where yeah, I, I, I do have a calculator I, that I just pulled okay. up. I, I did not do anything yet, but, um, and I know we only have about two minutes or so before the oh, okay. break, but um, we could certainly run a scenario if you want to, you know, give me something, or at least we could set it up now if you want, and we could chat about it after the break. Yeah, so let's set it up for, so it's asking you for- They want to know, you know- about someone, yeah. Let's talk about someone who's a little bit closer to retirement, like someone who's 55, for example. Okay. It doesn't have, does it have age? Yep, so you do current age, age of retirement, uh, okay. you know, AGI, yep. Um, you know what? Let's do someone who's 60. Yep. Right? So could be, and maybe they're looking to retire at about 65. Yep. And um, adjusted gross income. So let's assume they're Roth eligible. So is it asking single or married? I think they're just assuming single for the moment. Yep. Okay, so single, let's just say adjusted gross income is $100,000. Let's be, of course, we want to make sure they're eligible to make a Roth contribution. Um, and then what's the next input? Uh, oh, it's, that's going to calculate their tax bracket based on that. Yep, and then annual contribution. And then okay, so based on that, that they'll, they'll do a total contribution. We have about two minutes or less than two minutes. Oh, okay, so we'll set this up and then we'll analyze after the break. So this is someone who's approaching retirement. Um, you know, we sort of talked about how 
the the beauty of the Roth is is that earnings come back to you tax free and earnings over a long period of time in an investment account can be can be quite substantial. Um, so time is your friend in the world of investing in general, but certainly in the world of investing in Roth IRAs um, because you could really maximize growth and and tax free earnings. Um, not guaranteed. So, um, but so we're playing around with this scenario of well, what if someone doesn't have as much time as like a 30-year-old, for example? Um, so someone who's maybe age 60, approaching retirement, does it make sense to put that seven thousand bucks in a Roth or not? I hear the music playing, so um, we'll we'll solve this and, and we won't solve it because everybody's different, but we'll analyze this right after the break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. We're talking about the beauty of Roth IRAs and why you may consider one if you haven't already. Uh, Don't turn that dial. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. (laughs) 